Matthew chapter 26 this evening. Matthew chapter 26, we're going to begin reading in just a moment in the sixth verse, and we'll read together from the scriptures tonight down through verse number 13. Matthew chapter 26, would you please stand with me for the reading of the scripture? Matthew 26, verse 6 reads, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she hath done it for my burial. Now I'd like you to read with me the 13th verse. We'll read it together. You ready? Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall this also that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. And tonight, here we are, 2,000 years later, 6,000 miles away from that place, and we're still talking about the woman and what she did. And I'm praying God will take this woman and challenge you and I about our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. Would you just right where you are say to the Lord tonight, Lord, on this Wednesday night, I want you to speak to my heart by your spirit and through your word. And Lord, as you speak to me, I'm going to respond to you in the positive and do what you trouble me or convict me or challenge me to do. Father, I pray that right now you'd meet with us in this place. What a wonderful opportunity to open the scriptures, to read the Bible. Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your spirit that lives in us individually, believers. And Lord, we pray that you'd help every one of us tonight as we open the scriptures that we'd open our hearts to you. We'd allow you to have free course in our lives. And I pray you'd help me tonight as the preacher for these few moments to stay what you won't said, speak to us. Speak, oh Lord, to my own heart. I pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. We're in the last week of the life of the Lord Jesus when it comes to New Testament chronology. We're in that week that we often refer to as the Passion Week, that week that was leading up to the cross, the climax of all of world history where Jesus Christ, God's Son, would give himself as the sacrifice and as a substitute for our sin, where 2 Corinthians 5.21 became real, where he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And in that setting... Our text for this evening took place. In that setting, there's a woman who comes into a place where our Lord is eating, 
and she breaks a box, an alabaster box of ointment that we'll examine together, and she pours it onto the body of the Lord Jesus, and Jesus himself said she did this for his burial. She understood that in a matter of a few hours, he would go to the cross and would become sin for us. She understood that he would give his life an ultimate sacrifice for our sins, but not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And she comes into that setting, and there's not maybe but a handful of people there, 30, 40 maybe at the most, inside of this man's home, and she worships the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what this woman hath done will be told as a memorial for her. That word memorial means a permanent monument. Jesus said this lady's action and adoration will be remembered forever. Now please remember there's no major media there. There's no, there's no Twitter. There's no Facebook Live. She didn't have an Instagram account. I mean, just in, in front of a few people, she shows her love and devotion and worship for Jesus Christ in that hour. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about her. You know, the, the truth is, every one of us in this auditorium tonight, people may be watching online with us, every one of us are leaving a legacy behind us. We're, we're all going to be remembered for something. You're going to be remembered. I'm going to be remembered. It's all going to come eventually to an end unless the rapture. We're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And people are going to remember us. I, I want to ask you this question. I want you to ask yourself this question this evening for the next few moments. How will I be remembered? How will you be remembered? What will you be remembered for? This woman is remembered for this act of devotion. I want you to see the scene before us. It unfolds in three segments. First of all, I want you to notice with me the demonstration. Verse 6 says to us that Jesus is in a house in Bethany. If you're familiar at all with the life of the Lord Jesus, you know that Bethany was one of his favorite places to go outside of Capernaum, probably in the land of Israel in that moment in history. It, it was his favorite place. It was his favorite place because he had three good friends that lived there. They were two sisters and a brother. One, the brother's name was Lazarus. The sister's name are Mary and Martha. Now, that's where Jesus is. As a matter of fact, I believe all three of those people are at this meal. Would you go with me? Leave a Bible marker there in Matthew 26. We'll be back in a moment. Go with me to the Gospel of John, would you please? The Gospel of John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. And John 12, I believe, is giving us a parallel account of the same event. And in John chapter 12, look at verse number 2 with me, please. It says, there they made him a supper. That reminds me that maybe Jesus was a southerner, amen? Supper, huh? There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took, verse 3, Mary, a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, 
and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. If you don't mind, leave a Bible marker in John 12, Matthew 26. We'll go back and forth through the rest of this message. So, so they're in this house. They're in, Matthew 26 says, in the house of Simon the leper. But can I give you some good news? He ain't a leper no more. If he'd have been a leper, he'd have been banished. He'd have been banned. He would have been outside. He couldn't have been with his family. He couldn't have been in his house. He couldn't have had fellowship with those other people. Listen to me. I believe that Simon the leper is having the meal because when he was a leper, he had met Jesus, and Jesus had healed him and made him whole. I believe he's brought these people into his home that night so that he might share with them the miraculous, life-changing power of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 12, we read it a moment ago, verse number 2, there's not only sitting at that table that night, Simon the leper, whom God's healed, there's Lazarus. Where's Lazarus? Lazarus is, we're in John 12, John 11, what happened to Lazarus? He died. He was D-E-A-D, dead. Four days dead. But you remember Jesus went out to the place where he was buried and he said, will not you roll that stone away? And Lazarus, hey, how about you coming out of there? <laughs> so sitting at that table, it's Simon the leper who's been transformed, made whole through the power of Jesus Christ. Sitting at that table is Lazarus who's dead and has now been made alive. I believe they're all there so that they might be able to, to point all of their friends and all of their family members and the other people who've gathered. You know, one of the good places to be a good witness for Jesus Christ is around your table. People like to talk around the table. You notice that? And you can have good talk around the table if you will. And, and I believe he's got them there and they're there just so Simon can tell them, I've met Jesus. Jesus made me whole and I want you to meet Jesus. You know, one of the sure signs that you've met Jesus and you've been born again is you want somebody else to meet Jesus and be born again. When I got saved March 15, 1970 on a Sunday night in a revival meeting, I was 10 years old. When I went back to school the next morning, I went back with a determination I was going to tell every one of my classmates I'd been born again. I didn't grow up in a soul-winning church. I'd never heard anybody speak about being a witness for Christ. But there was a burning down in my heart to tell my classmates, and I devised a little silly way, and I won't go into it, but eventually to tell, talk my teacher into letting me tell my classmates that I'd been saved, and I knew God could save them too. Simon has brought these people together. And verse 7 of Matthew 26 says, come in this woman. John chapter 12 says, it's Mary. She breaks open an alabaster box. Matthew 26 calls it a very precious ointment. John chapter 12 calls it a pound of ointment of spikenard. Spikenard was a red-tinted perfume of that hour harvested from the place we would know as India today. It had a particular purpose in Jesus' day. It was used for the anointing of a dead body. I believe Mary has bought this ointment for her own burial. And remember in John 12, it's right after John 11 and Lazarus, maybe the closest friend she's had on earth, her brothers died, but she didn't bring it out for Lazarus. But when she came to understand that Jesus Christ was about to die, she wanted to do what she could while she could to let him know how much she loved him. 
Would you go back to John 12? I want you to see the price of this. We'll come back to this statement in a little bit, but look down at John 12, verse 5. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? You know what 300 pence is? That's 300 penny, 300 denarius. You know what a penny or a pence was in that day? It was a day's wages. So she's bought this ointment, I believe, for her own burial. And she has spent 300 days of salary on it. Basically, if you will, she has spent a year's salary on this ointment. I want you to understand when the scripture says there in Matthew 26, very precious, John 12, very costly. It was an expensive thing. She wasn't giving Jesus some leftover. She was giving her best. This for her was an act of worship. She broke that alabaster box, poured it on his head. Matthew 26 says, John 12 says she wipes his feet. You say, how do they do that? A little bit different that day. They were smarter than we were. We sat in a chair at a table. They laid down and reclined. I think that's pretty good. Lay down and eat at the same time. <laughs> it don't get no better than that. I believe she poured it on his head, but it made his way down his body and so that not one drop of it would fall on the ground. She wiped his feet with her hair because it was to her a very precious act of worship. She was saying to Jesus, Jesus, I love you more than I love anyone. Jesus, I love you more than I love anything. Jesus, you're the most precious person in all the world to me. I don't know about you, but this demonstration of love and worship and adoration, sacrifice, challenges my heart. Give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. You see the demonstration. Secondly, second segment of the story is the discouragement. Go back with me to Matthew 26, would you please? Look at verse number 8. It says, but when the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw it. <laughs> That's not what it says, is it? If it said that, Pastor Wilkerson, I'd kind of understand it. If it said, but when the chief priest and the elders saw it, because the, the first part of Matthew 26, we didn't look at this earlier, but the first part, verse 3 tells us they were assembled together, wondering how they could take Jesus and kill him. But, but Matthew 26 and verse 8 says, but when his disciples saw it. That's not where we expect to get the discouragement to worship, is it? We, we don't expect the disciples, the followers of the Lord Jesus, the men who've left their livelihoods and have given their all to follow Jesus, we don't expect them to be the ones who's, who's the source of the discouragement. But they are. Look at what it says there. You're Matthew 26. Look at verse 8. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. That's a, that's a strong word. It means they were very angry and much displeased. As a matter of fact, the Greek language the New Testament is written in is a very pictorial language. And, and that word that's translated indignation in our King James Bible, uh, it was a word that was used in that hour to describe the snorting of a horse. <laughs> so here's the picture. 
she's over there worshiping Jesus. And the disciples are standing over here going, why aren't you wasting all that? Isn't it interesting? What, what the woman saw as worship, the disciples saw as wasteful. They, they look at what they say there, verse 8. <coughs> to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. I want you to see where that came from. Go back to John 12. John 12. Look at verse 4. We looked at the statement a moment ago in verse 5, but look at verse 4. I want you to see the source of the statement. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Hey, listen to me. The discouragement had a source. It's Judas. This is what I see. I see Judas run over to Andrew and saying, hey, Andrew, why didn't, they, why didn't they sell that and give that to the poor? And Andrew said, I don't know. Said, Peter, why didn't they sell that and give it to the poor? Peter said, I don't know. Thomas, why didn't they sell that and give it to the poor? I don't know. Uh, Bartholomew, why didn't they sell that and give it to the poor? And just right on down the line. So, so that when Matthew 26 records it for us, it's not Judas saying it, but when his disciples saw it, they said can I just give you a little lesson here just to remember? Every criticism always has a source. And it's not always the right reason behind the criticism. Because the Holy Ghost knew we needed to understand that. You're in John 12, look down at verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put in therein. Listen to me. Judas's motivation was not poor people. It was what he had in his pocket. I learned a long time ago, Pastor Wilkerson, that some people's criticism has no foundation, just their thought. But you know what? If you repeat it long enough... And loud enough, other people will catch on. And the disciples are a prime example of that. Why was not this sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? But Judas didn't care one bit for the poor. I learned a long time ago, I've been in the same church 40 years. I learned a long time ago that most people who complain about money don't give any. All right? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't Judas's great concern for poor people. Jesus is going to address that, as a matter of fact, in a moment. But you see the discouragement, but I'm glad the story doesn't end there. There's one last segment. I want you to see it. The defense. I love the first four words of verse 10 in Matthew 26. Would you read those first four words out loud together with me? You ready? When Jesus understood it. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden it dawned on Jesus what was happening. Because <laughs> he knows what's in the heart of men. You know what it means? It means when Jesus understood that she had taken all she could take. 
Aren't you glad that our God knows how much we can take and how much we can bear? And he who knows our load limit limits our load. There's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape. Jesus is about to come to her defense, but he's coming to her defense when she knows she's heard all she needs to hear. Notice the statement, the question I mean Jesus asked in verse 10, Matthew 26. Why trouble ye the woman? The word trouble indicates that their words have been so harsh and cruel that they have brought Mary to tears. Why are you troubling this woman? Notice the rest of that statement, verse 10. For she hath wrought a good work upon me. And, and the word that's translated good is the Greek word from which we get our English word beautiful. What Jesus saw as beautiful, the disciples saw as wasteful. He said she hath done a good work. May I say to you, you never do anything for Jesus that he doesn't, number one, take note of it. And if you do it for him, he's always thankful for it. But he goes on to correct their focus. Look at verse 11, Matthew 26. For the, you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. What, what, what's he saying, you, Pastor Ray? What's he saying there? Well, let me tell you what he's not saying there. He's not saying that Jesus doesn't care for the poor. I mean, just a casual reading of the Bible would convince you that God has a special place in his heart for poor people. I mean, you just read the Old Testament. He told them not to, not to glean in the corners so they could leave them for the poor. You, you, you go to the New Testament, and when John the Baptist is sitting in prison and discouraged and not sure about what he had said just a few years previous, that here's the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world, he sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus, are, are you the one that we should look for? Should we look for another? I love what Jesus said to him. He said, you go tell John that the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised to life, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Can I just say to you, God has a special place in his heart for poor people. And as God's people, we should too. I tell the folks at Beacon Baptist Church, I believe God sends us a few folks every once in a while with some money because we're still going after poor people. So what does he mean? Notice the statement again. You're in Matthew 26, look at verse 11. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. Jesus is doesn't, not saying, I don't care about the poor. He is saying what Mary has done is she has taken the opportunity that's been presented to her while she could. She expressed her love, her devotion, her sacrifice, her worship, her adoration. As a matter of fact, a parallel passage to Matthew 26 is Mark chapter 14. And in verse 8, this is what it records. Jesus said, she hath done what she could. 
John Phillips, who I love to read after, one of the, my favorite Bible commentators. He said it's quite interesting to notice that at the cross, that Mary of Bethany's not there. Mary, his mother's there. Mary Magdalene's there. The other Mary's there. But Mary of Bethany, and Mr. Phillips says in that commentary, he believes that she didn't make it to the cross because she took the opportunity while he was living to let him know how much he meant to her. She seized the opportunity. She took what was presented to her and did what she could. Are you doing what you can while you can? She did it. You say, how did she know it? You're Matthew 26. Go up to verse 1. It says, and it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. How did Mary know? She was listening. At least three times before this, Jesus has told his disciples when you harmonize the gospels that he's come to be crucified he's come he's going to be buried he's going to be raised again but but none of them we understand from the gospel account none of them had come to that understanding until after the resurrection how did mary understand it she's listening as a matter of fact there are three main places we see mary in the gospel accounts luke chapter 10 Martha's back in the kitchen, cumbered about much serving. Where's Mary? She's sitting at his feet. John chapter 11, after the death of her brother Lazarus, she goes out and meets Jesus. Where does she go to when she meets Jesus? She goes down to his feet. Where's she at here in Matthew 26, John 12? She's once again at his feet. You know why? Because she was listening. You understand? You can be here tonight, H-E-R-E, and not here, H-E-A-R. How many of us are guilty of being here in location but not hearing? Mary was listening. Mary was paying attention. Mary seized the opportunity that was presented to her to do what she could while she could. And so Jesus makes a commendation of her action, of her adoration, of her love, of her sacrifice, of her devotion. And he says, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. I believe that night in Simon's home, she poured that very precious ointment, spikenard. It says in John 12, the odor filled the house. 
I, I believe that that ointment as it ran down his head, down his body, eventually down to his feet as he sat there reclining, eating at the table. I believe that ointment made its way inside of the pores of his skin. And I think if you'd have been there, I'd have been there. From that day to the day he breathed his last breath, you could have smelled the spikenard. I believe in that upper room as he gathered with his disciples and that last Passover and he established that memorial meal, the Lord's Supper. I believe the disciples said, smells like some spikenard in here. I believe as he was arrested in Gethsemane, the Roman soldier said, I smell some spikenard. I, I believe as they beat him and his flesh was torn to pieces, I, I believe that ointment of that spikenard spread in the place where he was at the pavement. I believe as he made his way down the Via Della Rosa, people in the crowd there caught a whiff of spikenard. I believe as he hung on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, every breath he breathed in. I believe Jesus smelled the spikenard. I believe that the thing that he died with on his mind, there's a woman in Bethany and she loves me. There's a woman in Bethany and she gave me all she had. There's a woman in Bethany. And she gave me her all. Good. Good. I ask you a question. How will you be remembered? Will you and I be remembered as a Mary or as one of the disciples? Will you and I be remembered as a Mary or as Judas? Jesus took his last breath because people didn't die on the cross by bleeding to death. They suffocated. And his last breath, 